the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. And uh, Mike Conti, who was supposed to be on at uh, 11, we're having a little difficulty with our phones. And so, therefore, I hopefully he'll get on as soon as we can connect him properly. But in the interim, um, again, you're listening to Iron Real Estate. And uh, I'm here with my co-host, Jerry Feeney, our Legal Eagle. Jerry, you know what I wanted to ask you? What do you think about the mayor... Uh, now putting a, a kibosh on glass towers in the city. Um, I don't think maybe the phone's lost Jerry also, so I can't ask him this question. But I will say that uh, the mayor de Blasio, is, uh, who is hinting at the presidential run, but I really think there's enough candidates running on the Democratic Party. I don't think that he needs to put his vote in. He wouldn't win anyway. Um, but he vowed to introduce a bill to ban glass and steel skyscrapers, saying that those buildings are much less energy efficient than their bricks and concrete counterparts and contribute more to global warming. And if you have any thoughts on that, I hope that you'll call in at 866-970-9622. Um, How do you build a brick rep- skyscraper? Well, I don't know, but representative of the city's real estate industry and construction experts say the mayor shouldn't be so quick to cast stones. Okay, They say that glass and steel skyscrapers going up now embody the latest in sustainable development and don't necessarily create massive carbon footprints. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you have to look a little bit further than anecdote. Mr. Mayor. Right. And they say, you know, it's really a simple. Uh, they want to say it's moronic, but they don't. They're nice enough not to say that. We'll but say it's, it's too simple. We'll say it to say, yeah. oh, well, glass skyscrapers are not energy efficient. OK, they're uh, not, not smart. Nonsense. Glass is more energy efficient than a not smart building. Uh, and, and Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I my, my weekend house is, is stone in the windows that we just put in are more efficient than the stone in the wall. So, I mean, that's just, that's just utter nonsense. It's not even, it's not even semi-sense. It's nonsense. And plus you could build a hundred story brick <laughs> skyscraper. Well, I don't think you could do in that. A, in, in, Jerry, in an Earth Day speech Monday, introducing <laughs> his city's version of Green New Deal, de Blasio said skyscraper, oh. yes, a sub's Skyscrapers that were built as a momentum to wealth should have no place in our city or our earth anymore. Remember, oh, so he said, the now num- we're not going to have the, skyscrapers now in New York right. City. Right. 
Okay, yeah. really. The, remember, the number one cause of emissions in New York City is our buildings. Uh, this is from the mayor. It's not our cars. It's our buildings. And uh, de Blasio says, and he goes on to say, uh, he's citing a 2017 study that found mm-hmm. that 66% of greenhouse emissions in the city came from buildings. Well, because people and, live in buildings in New York City. I mean, that's the most lunatic. People live in buildings in New York City. It is a city of large, tall buildings. That's why we call it a metropolis. So you're going to get rid of buildings. You're going to get rid of cars. You're going to get rid of trash cans. What is next? I mean, there'll be a bunch of bicycles. Well, he right points out that Hudson Yards development is a cluster of glass skyscrapers being built over a rail yard on Manhattan's west side as an example of what he's talking about. He doesn't and like that? No. And uh, they say that the Hudson Yards, which is 52-story, 10 Hudson Yards, which opened in 2016, is one of New York's most energy-efficient Class A office towers. It absolutely is. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I think where, where, he's just, well, he doesn't have any. Smoking. I mean, come on. This is, I mean, listen, I don't mind debating uh, facts with people. But when they make up their own facts, that's, that's not a debate. You're not entitled he, he, to your own set of facts, you know. Yeah, so I mean, the court's out on this. I think that it. I can, think can that the producer he is, stop interrupting us, please. I, Thank you. Okay, sorry. Is <laughs> that me, or is we all hearing that? No, the the producer is talking into our ear while we're trying to do the show, and I hope he'll stop. I hope he'll yeah. hear us here, but uh, it's very disconcerting. Anyway, apologize for that, everyone. Um, we do, um, but there's somebody talking right in our your phone, yeah. so it's hard to talk over them. In any event, I think we have to wait and see. I don't know if that's going to happen. And as I said, that congestion tax, I will, I really didn't, I'll look it up. I'll try to look it up before the show's end. I'm pretty sure it didn't start. So if you do take a cab and they tell you congestion tax, that's why we raise the rates. And the guy said to me, look at the meter, look at the meter. He said, they don't lie. I don't make this up. And I said, well, I think you well, are. He doesn't control, he doesn't control But he doesn't right. make it up, but maybe his company yeah. tries to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Yeah. So I did he, notice a whole bunch of add-ons when I took a cab last time. You know, this but you that, see, I asked. I asked what yeah. it was for because I was. Right. And you were curious. Yeah, and he said congestion mm. tax. So maybe that mm. maybe that was just the wrong answer to give me. Maybe they just added added mm. on. Do I have Mike Conti on the line? Finally, hi, hi Dottie. Hi, hi Jerry. Sorry you? about the foul hi, up, but I think the whole no. phone system is a mess today because we've been. Mm. Not a problem. Call it our ears. So we're glad that you could get on, and we're glad thank our phones you. finally worked. How are you? I, Good to have you great. back. I'm, I'm in. Thank you. I'm, I'm enjoying this show so much today that I, you know, I my topic ties right into the, the topic in the first hour. But just to back up on, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll regress. That the, the congestion price taxing. Uh, tax did go into effect for taxi cabs. It did. It, it's actually, oh, yeah, they they were in court fighting about it, and it was delayed for a while, but uh, they lost. So when you get in that taxi, I don't know if it's three dollars or two fifty, but every ride now gets the congestion pricing. So that well, that's already in. Thank in, you in for telling effect. me that because I knew it didn't go into effect for regular people just driving into the city. Uh, so I, but I didn't realize it yeah. went into effect for taxis. So yeah. he was telling me the truth. Yeah. So really, that, that ride that was seven dollars normally with the congestion yeah. tax went up to like twelve or something like that. Well, where's, that where's that money you know, going? The, the, going the right joke about the all of these taxes that are supposed to, you know, uh, affect certain segments of the population—they actually end up affecting the entire population. And the people who are screaming, "Yeah, more tax! It won't bother us," they're actually the ones who. 
who, who have to pay it more than most people. It, it's ridiculous, the whole thing. But the other thing that I definitely wanted to mention to you was Shoot. that, uh, you know, pr- you, you talked about the, the home pricing, et cetera, and so on. I just put my parents' house up for sale next door to me here in Franklin Lakes, and in two days it was sold. And why was it sold? Because it was priced right, and we used a realtor. And I can't stress more having an expert or a good realtor on your side guiding you because I don't sell houses every day, but we priced it appropriately. Um, and in the first open house, we had an offer. And You know, that was I'm fantastic. glad you brought that up because, truthfully, um, look, I get a lot of business that people that know me. And, you know, when you put a broker on it and somebody lets the broker decide the price, and, and you know, not that it's a guarantee, but – prices it well, um, unless there's obstacles that I don't know about, they sell quickly. But what I think Paul was talking about is he really specializes in very high-end stuff. And the high-end, even in a hot market, the high-end always takes longer to sell because people don't realize there's a lot less people that can afford a $5 and $10 million property. There's a million people that can afford an entry-level property. Right. It's so, a smaller segment, no question. It's a much it. smaller segment. So um, that's, that's kind and, of nationally been slower than and, the rest of the market. And the only other thing I want to mention, and then I'll get into why I called in today, was I heard Jerry do best of last week uh, on his own, and he did a great segment on having a, uh, an emergency fund available for you know homeowners to, to, to help you through those hard times that you can't foresee. And he specifically said, because let's face it, insurance doesn't cover everything. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, uh, that is the most sound piece of advice I've heard in a quite long time. So Jared, thank you for that. And, and I hope the homeowners and the people who are listening take that to heart. It was very, very well thought out. It's very well, good point. The, the problem is that a lot of homeowners do think that insurance is just going to pay for everything. And, you know, let's face it, if the heat goes out in the middle of winter, you got to get a contractor out. They want to get paid. You're not going to have time. Right. You know, most likely the insurance is not going to cover your, your heating system anyway. But uh, you got to have well, money set aside for these things. Otherwise, they become well, that, a, that's the a point. repair I mean, becomes even an if emergency. It is paid, even if it's paid for by insurance, there's a lag. And the, sure. the contractor, you need to get that heat restored if that's the case. Yep. You can't live three yep. or four weeks without and, heat. You know, but and, I have an, anyway. and I have an insurance point for you because I have I have people here. If you hear chainsaws in the background, I apologize. But I have all the professional tree removers here because I had a tree next to the house here upstate that is huge. And, I mean, if it came down, it would just take out the entire house. And I was concerned because we're on bedrock, and I was concerned that it make sure it was alive you know, healthy tree and the arborist came and he said, no, this is a disease tree. It needs to come down. Sure. And, you know, I started to research it and, and learned that homeowner's insurance is not going to cover the claim if it is a disease tree that the homeowner is not maintained and it then causes property damage. Am I correct on that conclusion? Yeah, uh, you know, th- you're 100% correct. I guess the only rub is that you, you took the time to investigate it, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people look at a tree and go, hey, it's beautiful, and they don't think that it could fall or, or it's too close right. to the house, and, and then it does fall on the house. So I, I guess mean, the, it's like in any, any issue, is it if observably they had prior knowledge and they did nothing, yeah. then, yeah. you know, that's where the rub comes in. If they had no prior knowledge and they were the victim of the windstorm or something, it is mm-hmm. covered. Well, on this one, so, there's a, a hole in the side of the tree that you can, you can observe and stick a, you know, a, a pole into it. It goes in about a foot. So I think I would have had a hard time if an adjuster came out maintaining that I didn't have any notice 
of it. I, I, I but I, myself, like I'm not real. I don't hate nature, but I'm not a nature lover. I look at a tree with a hole and I go, oh, how cute the squirrels live in there. You know, I mean, <laughs> <You> <laughs> know. Don't want to meet. it's diseased. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to add anyway. one point because, you know, the, one of my questions and before that is how much is enough insurance? I mean, you can insure yourself right. of everything. I mean, you can spend your whole paycheck on insurance if you wanted to because there's insurance for everything these days. So how much do we really need? And they see the emergency fund, which I agree with uh, having, that's discipline. And so, like, with a mortgage, it's like a forced payment. You have to pay your mortgage or you're going to lose your house. So people kind of force themselves over time to pay off their house. Uh Insurance, you have to have insurance if you have a mortgage. A bank will not give you a mortgage, by the way, if you don't have insurance. And so, therefore, uh, that's kind of a forced thing to do. But I don't know how many people are disciplined enough to take a percentage of money out of their their paycheck or savings or whatever they do to, to have that fund. And a lot of times I think people really put everything into, you know, buying the property and don't have enough of a surplus or just don't make enough money to do that. So that's kind of an important thing. Uh, that's a really an important point, Jerry, and I just don't know. Um, I think everyone should have that fund. But I don't know yeah, how many really do you know, it. it's funny, like the first time mm-hmm. home buyers really are susceptible to this. We, we get a lot of phone calls and they say, well, you know, over the weekend, the refrigerator, you know, comped out. Right. <laughs> Send but, like, well, what, you know, that's, you know, refrigerators eventually it's conk out. You're supposed to yeah. go buy a new one. Well, I thought I had insurance and, and it becomes, you know, contentious because and we explained that that's not what insurance is for. Although, although actually there are some companies that do provide that add on uh, to the homeowner's policy, but, but 99% of the companies don't, you know? So it's, it's just, you gotta have money available for things that you're well, just not expecting. Wouldn't you say that the main thing, and even with medical insurance, I, the main thing is you want to protect yourself, uh, uh, over uh, for things that are going to cost a ton of money. If you start insuring yourself with like the cost of a of a refrigerator, you yeah. you're going to be right. insuring yourself over a lot no, of stuff. Right. Insurance is supposed to be about catastrophic stuff. Right. I mean that's what right. people get into. You know, every nickel and dime is supposed to be paid by somebody else. Well, you're going to pay a lot of nickels and dimes for that coverage. You know, you I, ra- as you know as an insurance company, you, you know, raise the deductible and the insurance gets a lot cheaper. Right, and we we tell the people all the time: the higher the deductible that you can afford, the the more affordable it is. And and when you do the mathematics, if you, for example, opt between a five hundred dollar deductible and a thousand dollar deductible, it's like getting the the eighth year free. That's how much you've saved. Yeah. Yep. So that, just that's for a lot everyone, yeah. So for everyone's knowledge, that means that if you have a thousand dollar deductible, the first thousand dollars of anything that's wrong or that you're going to make right. a claim on, you have to pay. Right, but if you but think about if the you purpose do that, of Michael, insurance, yeah. right, it makes it much cheaper monthly. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, it does bring down the cost, and and uh, like as I said, over the course of seven eight years, you've saved enough to have that next year free. Oh, you know, technically free. You know what I'm saying? You've saved enough to equate that that year's payment. So it's it's always a good methodology to follow. But the but the purpose of insurance, when you explain to people why the higher deductible often makes sense. You know, the purpose of insurance is not to pay every you know nickel that you you have uh, an expense on. The purpose is to keep you from a disaster, uh, a catastrophic claim 
that will financially ruin you. Most people can withstand a thousand dollar event. Right. Um, so right. you don't need to pay for that insurance for it. But a a twenty, you know, a twenty five thousand dollar event is a lot harder for people well, to, to withstand. Well, uh, you know, here's the here's the the the, the 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 funny part, right? So if you are living day to day, we you know, paycheck to paycheck, you need to carry a lower deductible, which will cost you more. If you're not living day to day, you can afford to carry a higher deductible, which will save you more in the long run. So it's it, it's kind of it, it is very important to try to establish some kind of emergency fund for uh, you know your home so that you can opt for the higher deductible and take advantage of the discount. And in my personal life, my concern is coming home to the burnout. I, I, that's how I live my life. I'm not worried about the little bumps along the highway. I know they're going to happen. I've planned for them. But if, God forbid, I have a total. I need to know that's where I, uh, my insurance dollar is best spent. That well said. I have a question for you. So I think a lot of people, let's just assume, let's make a hypothetical that you've just paid off, you've paid off your home and you've decided to improve it and you kind of added a lot of improvements and the value of your home has gone substantially up. Um, you don't have a mortgage, so you're not compelled to have insurance because the bank requires it. I don't, and you don't, and say like your house was worth 750 and now with all the improvements it's worth a million um do you have to remember to upgrade your insurance like to 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 make your insurance cover that well, first as the value all, grows keep, well if if you if you if you did it right the first time you, you you're always worried about the rebuilding value and we are in a particularly strange time right now because um, rebuilding values have exceeded market values in many markets, which creates a whole nother predicament because people sit there and say, look, I could only sell it for 100000 Why should I insure it for 200000 Well, the point is we're, we're promising to rebuild, and that's what you need to do, rebuild your home. So uh, you're always concerned with the rebuilding value, not necessarily the market value. But to answer your question, yes, if your rebuilding is 100000 and you put in 50000 in upgrades, you need to increase your coverage. Most policies are built to increase a little bit every year. But if you make an improvement that's, you know, uh, a significant improvement, you need to increase the rebuilding value of your home. Um, and, so for and our listeners, that- if, you, if, if your value goes up, because maybe the market's gone up, but on top of that, you've made extensions or you've rebuilt your home or you've added a second floor on. If you, if you don't, now if you don't have a mortgage, you then need on your own to make sure the insurance company knows and up your policy because God forbid there's a fire or something like that. You're not going to get the value that it's now. But what about if you have a mortgage? Would the bank automatically know? No, typically, I don't think the bank will know. I don't think so either. So I think you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be forced to do it, but you should do it. Well, look, if you're going to protect, if you're concerned about protecting your asset, you need to do that. If you've invested money into something that can burn down, you're foolish not to insure it. I mean that that's just common sense. Yeah, that's what uh, uh, that's what I'm thinking. 
I, so let me ask you, because maybe when we come back on the break, you could give us your number one, like if you have your, your best tips uh, of what people should really insure themselves on most uh, and how much that should be, what percentage. Or, um, I'd love everyone to listen to that because we could talk for two or three hours on insurance. But what, what do most people end up really with most claims? Where, is the, where should they put their money? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. We're here with Jerry Feeney and Mike Conte. We'll be right back. When it comes to protecting your family, home, or business, you need a name you can trust. You need us. Honig Conti Perino Insurance. In Manhattan since 1902. We're family-owned, experienced, and credible. We believe in a face-to-face, roll-up-your-sleeves approach. Our clients receive individual and personal care. Honig Conti Perino, the name to trust. Call 212-777-7113 or honigconti.com. H-O-N-I-G-C-O-N-T-E dot com. Honig Conti Perino, not just providing insurance, but insurance guidance. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. My Giza sheets also include full 21-inch wide pillowcases that will fit over any pillow and deep pocket sheets that will fit over over any mattress. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-651-0798 to get your very own MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets. 1-800-651-0798. Use promo code AM970 and Mike will give you 30% off plus free shipping. That's right, 30% off and free shipping with promo code AM970. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Are you one of the 80% of Americans that experiences back pain, suffer from sciatica or spinal stenosis, afraid of the potential surgical complications of going under the knife to remedy your pain? Then the Brooklyn Spine Center is the place for you. Dr. Melinda Keller is not only a friend of mine, she's the director who specializes in non-surgical spinal decompression. She utilizes the DRX-9000 to make your lower back pain a thing of the past. Give Dr. Keller a call at 718-234-6200. That's 718-234-6200. Hi, this is Patrick Cullen, President of the New York State Supreme Court Officers Association. Join me for Justice Matters as we take over the AM 970 airwaves every Sunday at noon. Court officers play a pivotal role serving at the front lines of court security in criminal, family, and civil courthouses throughout New York City and the 9th Judicial District. Justice Matters will bring a fresh new perspective on the current challenges and issues facing our criminal justice system and the impact they have on all New Yorkers. The New York State Supreme Court Officers Association's members are uniformed officers in the courts throughout the five boroughs of New York City, as well as Westchester, Rockland, Putnam, Orange, and Dutchess counties. And we are affiliated with the AFL-CIO and the International Longshoremen's Association. SCOA's mission is to continue to improve benefits and protect the rights of all of our members. If it's noon on Sunday, it's time for Justice Matters on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. I'm here with uh, Mike. 
partner in crime, Jerry Feeney, and uh, we have Mike Conti as our guest. Mike Conti is from uh, Honig Conti and Perino Insurance Agency. And I have some questions for you that uh, people have asked. And so this is a question. Uh, if, if somebody, if, if I loan my friend a car for the day to pick up somebody uh, and there's an accident, should I report that to my company, my insurance company, and pay for, or should I pay for it myself? Are occasional drivers covered under my insurance? Well, uh, to answer it, yes, you shouldn't report it to your insurance company uh, because you don't. Even if you pay out of pocket for the physical damage, the bodily injury suit may come in down the road, and you've now, uh, if if you've paid for that damage, you've admitted guilt. I think it's harder for the carrier to defend, whereby. They could then, at some point, deny the entire claim, saying you, you, you've taken away our ability to offer a defense because of your payment. So uh, whenever there's an automobile accident, you need to report it to the carrier. Uh, you're buying insurance to protect you. Uh, paying for insurance and then not using it to protect you is the most foolish thing that I've ever heard. Got so, it. Mike, before Thank you make a payment out of pocket, you should tell the insurance carrier – is it okay with you if I do this? No, uh, you, oh, that's a good I, question, you know, Jerry. I, <laughs> because yeah, I've done that you know, before. Uh, I've reported it, but then I made the you know the five hundred dollar scratch. It was clearly my fault. Uh, right. I reported it. If you're, you know, if you're timely. okay, if you if you're repairing your car, probably no, no. you know that's no, 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 no. Do, no, it's not about repairs. But you know what? Let me just. That is really the question wasn't anything about repairs. It was should I report. Uh, if I have an occasional driver, somebody who's not on my policy, well, but they, I lent them my yeah. car. But I and want to, yes, right? yeah. okay, and you said yes. Yeah, Jerry's if, if question are, is listen. a different one completely. Yeah, my question is different. My question is, okay, so I, I ding somebody else's car. It's clearly my fault, and I report right. it. But the other driver says, you know, here's the bill. It's 500 bucks, and I'm not going to run that through insurance. But should I say before I run it, before I pay it, should I say to the insurance carrier, is it okay with you if I pay this? Well, keep, keep you know, it's, it, look, it, so you get out of, this happened to me. I got out of the, the car in the parking lot. The wind took the door and it, it scratched the other guy's door. All right. He, he, there was no one in his vehicle and I felt horrible about it. I, it was probably under his deductible. So I paid it with, I, I waited for him to come out of the supermarket and I, I, I paid him, uh, I made arrangements and I sent him a check. Um, but again, this was a non-moving vehicle. It was mm -hmm. a property damage claim. Was it my fault? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know, but I wanted that to. to I just wanted to, you know, keep it clean. Mm -hmm. But if there, were, if this was a moving situation and there were mm -hmm. other people in the vehicle, I would never recommend yeah. going down that road because well, it. I mean, yeah. you get a bi attorney to make allegations, and now you, you've. You know, said, well, yeah, it was my fault, and here's the money. How do you defend the BI portion? Michael, I, I really have a great story for that. So I do that happened to me, That why you're exactly right, that you shouldn't do that. But let me just take a quick question. She's been on the line to ask you a question for a while now, so let me just get Olga, and then I'll we'll just go back to that. Olga, good morning or good afternoon. It's almost lunchtime, so how are you, Olga? You have a, a, a Hi, question. good afternoon. Good. You have a question for Michael? Yes, I actually been listening to your show and all those answers that Michael provides is very helpful. So I have a, a situation right now. I bought a bicycle and I parked it outside. 
And then a couple of days ago, you know, I found out that the bicycle was stolen and I was out of state. So is my bicycle covered uh, by my insurance company? Hi, Olga, and thank you for listening. Um, yeah, if, if you have the proper endorsements on your homeowner's policy, uh, known as off-premises theft coverage, that bicycle should be covered. Uh-huh. Uh, some, insu- um, some insurers will also allow you to put it on a floater, and those are for the more expensive bicycles where uh, you have, uh, you know, these, these three and $4,000 bicycles. You can put it on a floater policy, right. which would also cover it. Uh, the advantage of putting it on the Florida contract is that you would eliminate the deductible, whereas the typical homeowner's contract will just uh, it will pay you, but it will take the deductible. Uh, it will be your responsibility. Oh, so, great. And what kind of coverage you said will cover me outside? What's the name of it, of it again? Well, you have to make sure that the apartment policy or the homeowner's policy is endorsed to protect you against thefts occurring away from the premises. In in New York, there's there's an exclusion that New York City people have to deal with that the rest of the state doesn't, and it's called off-premises theft exclusion. So in New York City, we exclude theft occurring away from the premises unless you buy it back, and you must always buy it back. Why does New York City always get punished on all this stuff? Seems like, yeah. <laughs> jeez, it's what they do. I know, I know. So I have another question. Thank you, Olga, um, for calling in. Um, what you know, if my summer tenants uh, should I, if I rent, should I get renter's insurance? Is if I rent my house out for the summer, and if I do, does it cover? Like if they ruin my sofa or they spill a glass of wine on my white rug? Uh, I, well, I, I think those great, are, those are hard questions, question. right? Doesn't it depend on what insurance you have? Yeah, it kind of does who the carrier is. Some carriers are more receptive to those type of exposures. But this gets back to, uh, number one, properly classifying the home. And um, a lot of, we find a lot of secondary or summer homes are not properly classified by insurance. Uh, and I'll give you the complication that you face. When, when someone applies for a mortgage, uh, they get a better rate if they declare it as a primary policy. So now when they're calling us, they're telling us that, yeah, it's going to be a primary residence, and we insure it accordingly because they want all their paperwork to match, even though they have no impression, no, no desire to uh, use it as a primary residence. So that's the first problem that's created. But some carriers forbid you to rent the home out, and no matter what happens inside the home, uh, it's going to be a problem. So you need to investigate which carriers will allow you to rent it for a short-term rental, summer rental. Uh, but then to answer your question or the question that was posed, I've seen claims where uh, the couch was burned by a cigarette. Well, fire is a peril, so the couch is covered. I've seen claims denied where the wine was spilled on the couch uh, because there is no peril for spilling wine on anything. It's not a peril, typically not a covered peril. Um, so it can go either way depending on what has occurred. Yeah. Well, let me you say know. this to all the people that are going to rent or thinking of renting. Um, when you rent, you take some chance. You know, I, I can't say it any better because there's no way you can know uh, if a person is going to take care of your home or not. And I've seen many disputes in uh, my career in real estate. 
I had one last year with two uh, very wealthy people who uh, one needed a rental for two weeks, and both of them were, I mean, really millionaires. And uh, the person who was renting the property said, oh, well, there's a stain on my white Berber rug. Their dog went to the bathroom on that. And uh, so the... Uh, so the renter said, well, I'll have it, have it cleaned on me, you know, and I'll pay for it. So the, the owner said, well, I did have it cleaned, and it doesn't come out. It's yellow. Now, they were arguing and arguing over what was, you know, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So finally, um, it, and it wasn't even a big rug. It was like a small area. It was just so ridiculous. It ended up that I really ended up saying, you know what, both of you just stop it and I'll just, I just put the money in or I took it off and I shouldn't have, I just did it because I didn't want to hear them anymore. And it wasn't that it was a big amount of money. (laughs) It was not, and it was not that they couldn't afford it. They just went to a, uh, just a match. So I think whenever you rent, there always is a risk that someone doesn't take care of things and that you have to go after them. And if you have to go after them, what if they have no money? Okay. If you you have insurance. Along the lines of renting, too, Dottie, we see a lot of post-closing possession, more in the suburbs, I think, than in New York City, where somebody sells and they're allowed to remain in possession for 10 days and they pay some fee to the new buyer while they arrange to move out. I always tell people, you know, first of all, we try to avoid that if we can. It just never ends well, uh, or oftentimes doesn't end well. But if it's got to happen and you're going to do that, you know, the new owner, the new buyer is buying an insurance policy, tell your insurance agent, I'm not going to be in possession for 10 days. The sellers are going to remain in possession and make them convert their existing policy to a renter's policy and you're and make sure everybody's notified all the insurance companies this is what's happening because my fear is always that you bought a, a primary residence policy and then there's apparel related to technically a tenant or at least a someone who is authorized to be living there and are they going to try to deny coverage? I've always been nervous about that, you know. Well, that's yeah, why, Jerry, on, Jerry, you are spot on. But that is why, let me just say this, and I'm not, I mean, of course, I'm, I would always tell you. But that's why it's so important when you're buying a home or renting that you call somebody up for legal advice that is an expert in real estate like Jerry Feeney. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's somebody's son-in-law and they want it for free. So they say, oh, you know, my son-in-law is an attorney. So, you know, maybe he's a matrimonial attorney. And they use an attorney that's really not familiar with real estate, and uh, they have no idea, and they don't really know to protect you against things like that, which only somebody who really specializes in real estate would know. What would happen there, Mike, and by the way, in that uh, situation? Thank you, Don. You, uh, you know, well, uh, it's, uh, some car again, you know, it's the humor of the carrier. I have carriers that would be receptive to that type of exposure or situation, uh, and I have carriers that will completely, unequivocally deny the claim. So right. it, it's really something you've got to let us know up front so we place you with the right carrier. The problem is that people don't want to pay for the right coverage. They they want to pay for something yeah. that Michael, they think they're getting. We're, we're coming to a break now, so I am going to uh, maybe when we come back, just give you a minute to, to give us all your information again. And thank you for okay. being on the show. And we'll be back. If you hold on, Michael, just our break is coming up. We'll be back in two, a minute or two. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. 
It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. You won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Cats Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8.30, right after Morano in the Morning on AM 970. The Answer. In this crazy, messy world, we're all trying to make sure we do our best to stay healthy against the new diseases that seem to pop up in schools, at work, and hospitals. It's hard to find a product that's safe, effective, and alcohol-free. Well, guess what? The wait is over. Durasan is a water-based, non-toxic hand sanitizer that cleans, conditions, and protects skin for up to 24 hours. It comes in bottles, wipes, fobers, sprays that are perfect for everyday use. Durasan also developed an antimicrobial hand soap that is FDA approved and environmentally safe just like their hand sanitizer. Durasan has a long line of safe-to-use products. Their USDA organic mosquito spray safely protects from dangerous pathogens like the Zika virus, which is perfect for the summertime coming up. If you listen to Joe Piscopo, get 20% off when you mention the show. To learn more about Durasan products, please go to Durasan.com or call 844-DURASAN, 844-387-4726. Durasan. All right, here's the great selling point of Relief Factor. Well, actually, the greatest selling point is that it works for the great majority of people who use it. But the big selling factor is really this. You can get all the pain relief benefits of Relief Factor without the negative side effects of ibuprofen. A couple of years ago, with great sciatic pain, I would take ibuprofen a lot. And it helped, but the side effects were so awful after a while that I... I just had to discontinue use, but that's not the problem with relief factor. So that's huge. So if you've been using any form of ibuprofen, now you don't have to with relief factor. Go to relieffactor.com, check out the pricing, and please give it a try because pain is pretty awful. Or call 800-500-8384. That's relieffactor.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. So we're back and we're getting close to the lunchtime 12 o'clock hour where our show will conclude. So I just want to first of all say thanks, Michael. You are the best insurance man and you really make it understandable so we want you to come back soon would you give us all the contact information obviously you can always call you know email us at radio show at element.com or for information but if you want to go directly you go on your site and what's those numbers again well uh, our phone number in manhattan is 212-777-7113 and uh our web address is uh www.honigconte.com that's c h o n i g c o n t e.com 
Thank you, Michael. Have a great weekend, and we'll post that Thank so you. that you can read it if you because we don't want you to drive if you're driving and uh, write down numbers. So we'll post it so you can Thank go you. on. Thank you. Thank you, and have a great weekend. Well, Jerry, I yeah. have a question for you, and it, so it says. Um, Oh, they, they wanted to ask, first of all, when you evaluate um, a, a condo and a co-op, do, do you evaluate them? Do you look at them? As, I know they're different animals, but do you value their value differently? Do you look at one as more expensive than the other, if, assuming they were the same exact identical things? Mm-hmm. Say the, both apartments were identical, but one was a co-op and one was a condo. Yeah, usually the, the, the very same exact apartment configured as a condo is is going to have more value um mainly for the reason that it's easier to liquidate right you don't have the right of approval that you have with a co-op you know they have a right of first refusal which is not going to interfere with you selling because if they want to exercise it they've got to buy it so it's more liquid and because of its liquidity and um then generally the market values it higher than a co-op and i think that's what people find generally in the marketplace they're out looking and they start looking for a condo and they realize that in New York, where 60% of the housing is still co-op, it, they're not finding what they want for their money, but for that price tag, they can find the co-op that's the size they want. You know, and some brokers right. will say it's a 10 to 15% uh, differential. Right. So, so they're they're basically should be cheaper. And on those lines, they the someone's saying, you know, are they cheaper than buying from a? How do you find a sponsor's apartment, and what is that? And are they cheaper than mm-hmm. buying from the previous owner? Sponsor units and co-ops are generally only around because the apartment has been in a rent-stabilized status for many years, and there wasn't an active market to sell it because the person had a, a legal right to remain in there, and they're no longer there, and then they sometimes a sponsor will renovate it. Sometimes they won't. They'll just sell it as is, but it is technically a sponsor sale where the sponsor had sold out the co-op 30, 40 years ago. Now they're just bringing this one to market. Um, they do trade at a little higher premium, I think, sometimes because there's no board approval associated with it, and you can do a higher loan-to-value financing. So if the board has instituted a you know, 75% or 80% maximum financing, the sponsor units are exempt from that. So you could theoretically come in with 90% if you had a bank that was willing to do that. So I think there's a premium associated with that. It's not a huge differential, as opposed to a sponsor unit in a condo, which is oftentimes a new offering new construction where you're buying something new uh, that's either to be built or it's a conversion from an existing building. Um, and I think there, there's a premium associated with new, as you would expect a premium associated with a new car. So um, Well, that's and true. And it. I think anything new is usually a little bit more because you don't really have to do anything. And it's um, even though something even brand new has some flaws in it, but for most mm-hmm. part, it's a move-in. Uh, place, but at the same token, that's the subject that maybe you could cover when we have some time because I'm not mm-hmm. sure if in five seconds you can really go through that. But what yeah. we really, you know, it's a lot for someone to digest as far as okay, what's the difference? And, uh, you know, the financing maybe is more favorable. And what about financing in a co op? And what about those kind of rules? I think mm. that's a unique thing for New York City. It doesn't really happen anyplace else that I know of, really, in any big way. Yeah. Um, so when you hear about it, yeah, it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, Donnie. Excuse no, me. No, that's quite bad. No, I said that buying new construction is really is a different animal, you know, particularly if it's going to be built in two years, right? So if I'm signing a contract today and putting down 10 or 15 percent, uh, I'm not going to most likely be able to lock in a rate for two years. And and if it's 
estimated delivery is two years. I've, I've yet to see a sponsor who delivers early. They only ever yes. deliver late. So that's one thing about contractors that I don't need to tell you about, Dottie, but nope. uh, they generally don't finish early. Um, it's just, you know, the nature of the beast. So, you know, there's interest rate exposure, there's credit risk exposure. Um, and also, you know, you have to educate people. And, and the, the sponsor does matter. Different developers finish differently. You know, I've said it before that, you know, my experience when people buy, you know, a related product, it's just done. It's just finished perfectly. And then there are others that it's, you know, it's going to be a little ways before they finish it. You just have to understand what you're buying. Um, so, and it can be frustrating to people if they haven't been prepared up front by the broker and the attorney explaining to them, you're going to get a new product, but it may not be, you know, there may be workmen in the building. You may be still finishing the lobby. The amenities may not be done. Right. Um, so, so there may be dust. You may still be on a limited elevator service. You know, there, there are th special details about it. So we should have a show on that because it really is an should. educational process. It really is, and it's unique in New York for most part. So you, you really want to hear it yeah. and understand it. One quick question. I know we don't have much time, but this is also for you, Jerry. Um, it says, I've read in my local papers that the town is trying to stop people from having small businesses in their homes, like a seamstress or a dog sitter. Um, they claim the test is if a lot of people come and go from your home, um, then it's not legal. What does Jerry think? Does he think this is legal? Well, you know, anybody who's ever listened to me knows I'm a big civil libertarian. I am very, you know, uh, suspect of these prohibitions against what people do in their own home generally generally now i get it you know you can't run a a a welding company in your condo in manhattan it's not safe i understand that you know, there's barriers but the idea of you can't work out of your own home or run a business i mean if i'm providing legal advice over the telephone to a to a client am i running a business well sort of <laughs> you know sort of so the 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 fact that a seamstress may have somebody who is, how many times a day is somebody dropping off to a seamstress? A couple of times a day? Is that any different than somebody who plays cards and has a bridge group that comes every week? You know what I mean? It's, it's a slippery slope, but I think towns that do that really are missing the boat. They really ought to be focused on nuisances. They're, sw they're, they're painting with a very broad brush. I think it's, you know, uh, laws that are, um, can be deficient based on their lack of specificity. Things like, you know, Unloitering with no intended purpose. Well, those are laws right. that are, you know, constitutionally deficient. But, yeah. But I think if you're thinking of doing a business in your home, and you don't want the town to come and try to make it that you shouldn't be allowed to do it, you also have to think about the neighbors that surround you because I think yeah. many cases they're the ones that turn you in. <laughs> I think that's right. That's right. You, you so can't therefore... create a nuisance. Yeah, you can't create a nuisance and. You know, if you're if you're running a, a bakery out of your house and people are, you know, honking and coming every two minutes, that's, I think, a little different uh, than it. But you're right. I think first, get along with your neighbors. It's just shocking to me. My sister-in-law is here. She told me her neighbor sued her over a tree that she took down. And I'm like, you didn't, they didn't even talk to you? She said, no. It's just amazing to me that people don't talk to each other first. You mean they just sued I, her? They just sue. You know, they sue. It's crazy. Talk to people. Talk to your neighbors. You know, I mean, yeah, and it's always friends, good advice that you should get along if you can possibly get along with your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's because of reasons that you want to put a business in your house or you just, but just being a good neighbor 
is smart, yes. and yes. Um, it's always good to have a neighbor that knows you and that you know, and then if you're not there, can keep it, you know, take a look. Let me tell you something. You need that, right, Dottie? We, we have houses that we're not there every weekend oh, yes. or all the time, and you want your neighbor calling. I remember they called me once. Part of my dog was floating away. <laughs> they called me to tell me that, and I appreciated that call very much. Um, yeah. You know, I'm the least litigious lawyer probably in, in the city because I really – I think litigation is an awful way to resolve disputes. It's expensive and it's inefficient. Unfortunately, it's the only and you and know, then usually once you go to litigation, you really build uh, like a uh, wall between two people yeah. that you'll never yeah. probably be good yeah. neighbors again. Yeah. And I just think that you know what the, you're right. You know, people should try to resolve things before they go to any legal situation. I mean, it doesn't have to be about your home, but anything legal, if anything. you can resolve it yeah. without going to court. Divorce or any of those yeah. things, any of those disputes. If you lock yourselves in a room and force yourselves to focus on resolving the dispute, you know, not getting into who did what, who did wrong, but rather, listen, we're, we're going in separate ways. I always tell people, just try it first. It's so much cheaper than adversarial divorce. It really is. It is. So uh, I think we have two minutes left. So you have your sister-in-law over? and Yeah, we have the family baby. here. We're doing our second Easter. I did an Easter in the city uh, with some friends there, and these guys weren't available. So we're doing another Easter. We're going to hide uh, eggs today for the kids to find out in the yard. It'll keep them occupied. Oh, that's and, so uh, nice. Yeah, so we're going to do a second Easter tomorrow. I told them that the Easter Bunny made special arrangements, and so far they bought that whole thing. Well... <laughs> They might as well, they should buy it because they're only going to buy it for a couple of years before somebody yeah, tells them. Exactly. Okay, that's the I Easter. was always skeptical from early on because <laughs> I was the logical kid that was like, well, if the Easter Bunny spent 10 minutes at each house and you know, my mother would always roll her eyes at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to be signing off. And so I just want to thank everyone for hearing our show and I own real estate. Thanks for calling in. Uh, if we didn't get to your question, we will get to it in the next week or two. Uh, thank our guests and Jerry. As always, have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Bye now. Have a great weekend, everyone. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.